Wamsley's Automatic Pastor by Frank Crane. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Wayne Cook. Yes, sir, said the short, chunky man, as he leaned back against the gorgeous upholstery of his seat in the smoking compartment of the sleeping car. Yes, sir, I knew you were a preacher the minute I laid on you. You don't wear your collar buttoned behind or a black thingamabob over your shirt front, nor Presbyterian whiskers, nor a little gold cross on a black string watch chain. Them's the usual marks I know, and you ain't got any of them. But I knew you just the same. You can't fool J.P. Wamsley. You see, there's a particular air about a man that's accustomed to handle any particular line of goods. You can tell them all if you just notice any of them. What goods counter, lawyer, doctor, traveling man, politician, railroad, every one of them's got his sign out, and it don't take a Sherlock Holmes to read it, neither. It's the same way with them gospel goods. You'll excuse me, but when I saw you come in here and light a cigar with an air of, I will now give you a correct imitation of a human being, I said to myself, there's one of my gospel friends. Murder will out, as the feller says. Experience, did you say? I must have had considerable experience. Well, I guess yes. Didn't you never hear my invention? Wamsley's automatic pastor, self-feeding preacher, and lightning collar? Say, that was the hottest scheme ever. I'll tell you about it. You see, it's this way. I'm not a church member myself. Believe in it, you know, and all that sort of thing. I'm for religious strong, and, and when it comes to paying, I'm right there with the goods. My wife is a member, and a good one. In fact, she's so blame good that we average up pretty well. Well, one day they elected me to the board of trustees of the church. Because I was the heaviest payer, I suppose. I kicked some, not being anxious to pose as a pious individual, owning to a certain brethren in the town who had a little confidential information on J.P. and might be inclined to get funny. But they insisted, allowing that me being the most prominent and successful merchant in the town, and similar right, I ought to line up and help out the cause and so on. So I finally gave in. I went to two or three of their meetings, and say honest, they was the fiercest things ever. The minister smiled knowingly. A yawn, I see. Ain't those official meetings of the church the limit? Gee, once I went, a cold winter night, waded through snow hip deep to a giraffe, and sat there for two hours while they discussed whether they had fixed the pastor's back fence or not. Price, six dollars. I didn't say anything, being sort of new, you know, but I made up my mind that the next time I'd turn loose on him, if it was the last thing I did. I says to my wife when I get home, M, says I, if getting religion gives a man softening of the brain, like I see it working on them men there tonight, I'm afraid I ain't on praying ground and interceding terms, as the feller says. The men in that bunch tonight was worth over $800,000, and they took $11 and a half's worth of my time chewing the rag over fixing the parson's fence. I'm going to bed, says I, and if I shouldn't wake up in the morning, if you should miss Petty in the morning, you may know this vital powers was exhausted by the hilarious proceedings of this evening. But I must get along to my story about my automatic pastor. One day the preacher resigned. 
life probably hectored out of him by a lot of cheapskates, whose notion of holding office in church consisted of cutting down expenses and finding fault with the preacher because he didn't draw in sinners enough to fill the pews and pay their bill for him. When it came time to select in the committee to get a new pastor, I blurted right in. Had an idea, so. Me to the front, leading trumps and banging my cards down hard on the table. Excuse my again festive reference to playing cards, but what I mean is that I thought the fullness of time had arrived, and I was a hollering for J.P. Walmsley. Well, sir, it was right then and there I invented my automatic pastor, continuous revolving handshaker, and circular jolly hander. I brung it up before the official brethren one night and explained its modus operandi. I had a wax figure made by the same firm that supplies me the mannequins for my show windows, and it was a peach, if I do say it myself. Tall, handsome figure, benevolent face, elegant smile that won't come off. As the fellow says, Chauncey Depew's spinach in front of each ear. It was a sure lulu. Now, I says to him, gentlemen, speaking of pastors, I got one here I want to recommend. It has one advantage anyhow. It won't cost you a cent. I'll make you a present of it and also chip in as heretofore toward operating expenses. That caught old Jake Hicks worth a hundred thousand dollars and stingier than I'll get out. He leaned over and listened, same as if he were taking him right off the bat. He's a retired farmer. If you find me a closer boy than a retired farmer moved to town, you can have the best plug hat in my store. You observe, says I, that he has the leading qualifications of all and comes a heap cheaper than most. He is swivel-mounted, that is, the torso, so to speak, is pinioned onto the legs so that the upper part of the body can revolve. This enables him to rotate freely without busting his pants, the vest being unconnected with the trousers. Now you stand this here, whom we will call John Henry, at the door of the church as the congregation enters, having previously wound him up, and there he stays, turning round and giving the glad hand and cheery smile, and so doth his changing power display as the unwed sun from day to day, as the fellow says. Nobody neglected, all pleased. You remember the last pastor wasn't sociable enough, and there was considerable complaint because he didn't hike right down after the benediction and jolly the folk as they passed out. We'll have a while running the length of the meeting house with a gentle slant from the pulpit to the front door. And as soon as meeting's over, up goes John Henry and slides down to the front exit. And there he stands, gyrating and handing out pleasant greeting to all. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to beat the band. Now, as for preaching, I continue, you see, all you have to do is to raise up the coattails and insert a record on the phonograph concealed here in the back of the chest with a speaking tube running up to the mouth. John Henry, being a regular minister, he can get the homiletic review at a dollar and a half a year. We can subscribe for that, get the up-to-date sermons by the most distinguished divines, get some gent that's afflicted with elocution to say him into a record, and on Sunday our friend and pastor here will reel him off fine. You press the button. He does the rest, as the fellow says. How about calling on the members? inquires Andy Robinson. Easy, says I. How buggy of brother Jinx here? who keeps livery stable at one dollar per p.m. Get a nigger to chauffeur the pastor at fifty cents per same? There you are. Let the boy be provided with an assortment of records to suit the people, pleasant and sad, 
conciliatory and gay, encouraging or reproving, and so forth. The coon drives up, puts in a cartridge, sets the pastor at the door, and when the family gets through with him, they sets him out again. There are, say, about 300 calling days in a year. He can easy make 15 calls a day on an average, equals 4,500 calls a year at $450. Of course, there's the records, but that won't cost over $50 at the outside. You can shave them off and use them all over again, you know. But that's the personality of the pastor, somebody speaks up. It's what attracts folks and fills the pews. Personality shucks, says I. Haven't we had personality enough? For every man it attacks, it repels too. Your last preacher was one of the best fellows that ever struck this town. He was a plumb brick and had lots of horse sense to boot. He could preach too, like a house of fire. But you kicked him out because he wasn't sociable enough. You ask it an impossibility. No man can be a student and get up the rattling sermons he did and put in his time trotting around calling on the sisters. Now, let's apply business sense to this problem. Uh, that's the way I run my store. Find out what the people want and give it to them is my model. Now, people ain't coming to church unless there's something to draw them. We've tried preaching, and it won't draw. They say they want sociability, so let's give it to them strong. They want attention paid to them. You turn my friend, he'll loosen the community, and he'll make each and every man, woman, and child think they're in it less than a month. If everybody gets disgruntled, you sick John Henry here on him, and you'll have him come right back a-running and a-paying the pews rent in advance. Then, I continued, that ain't all. There's another idea I propose to go along with the pastor as sort of a sideline. That's trading stamps. Simple, ain't it? Wonder why you never thought of yourselves, don't you? That's the way with all bright ideas. People drink soda water all their lives. And along comes a genius and here's the fizz and goes and invents a Westinghouse break. Same as Newton and the apple and Columbus and the egg. All you have to do is to give them trading stamps for attendance. Then your church fills right up, and John Henry keeps them happy. Stamps can be redeemed in any store. So many stamps get, say, a parlor lamp or a masterpiece of Italian art in a gilt frame. So many more draws a steam cooker or an oil stove. So many more, and you have a bicycle or a hair mattress or whatnot. And so on up to where a hat full of them gets an automobile. I tell you, when a family has a whatnot in their eye... They ain't going to let a little rain keep them home from church. And if they're all really too sick to go, they'll hire a substitute. And I opine these here stamps will have a powerful alleviating effect on Sunday sickness. And then I went on, waxing eloquent and leaning the pastor against the wall so I could put one hand in my coat and gesture with the other and make it more impressive. And then I says, just think of them other churches. We won't do a thing to them. The Baptist preacher thinks he's a whiz because he makes 600 calls a year. You just wait till the nigger gets to hauling John Henry around town and loading up with rapid-fire conversations. That Baptist gent will look like 30 cents. That's what he'll look like. He'll think he's Rojasvinsky and the Japanese fleets after him. And the Campbellites think they done it when they got the new pastor with a voice like a bull of Bashan coming downhill, 
Just wait till we load a few of them extra-sized records with megaphone attachments into our pastor and gear him up to 250 words a minute. And then where, oh, where is Mr. Campbellite, as the fellow says. Besides, brethren, this pastor, having no family, won't need to get his back fence fixed. In fact, he won't need the parsonage. We can rent it, and the proceeds will go towards operating expenses. What we need to do, I says in conclusion, is to get in line, get up to date, give the people what they want. We have no way of judging the future, but by the past, as the feller says. We know there ain't no human being can measure up to our requirements, so let's take a fall out of science and have enterprise and business sense. J.P. Wamsley reached for a match. Did they accept your offer? asked his companion. I'm anxious to know how your plan worked. It has many points in its favor, I confess. No, replied J.P. Wamsley as he meditatively puffed his cigar and seemed to be lovingly reviewing the past. No, they didn't. I'm kind of sorry, too. I'd like to have seen the thing tried myself, but, he added with a slow and solemn wink, they passed a unanimous resolution calling back the old pastor at an increased salary. I should say then that your invention was a success. Well, I didn't lose out on it anyhow. I got John Henry rigged up with a new bunch of whiskers and posing in my show window was DeWitt signing the peace treaty in an elegant suit of all wool at eleven dollars and fifty cents. End of Wamsley's Automatic Preacher by Frank Crane